congregation, one of the key words for this text and this reflection sermon is the word without, without. Now, what does that mean, without? Without sometimes means that you don't have it. I am without a car. I'm without a house. I'm without something. But sometimes without means something else, right? Without or within. So then without means that you're standing outside. That you're on the other, on the other side. You, you're without the prison. And the ones that are in the prison. Some are without the church. You know, they are in the church. So that we're without. I like to focus on. And you find it three times in our text. The first time connected to animals. Animals without the camp. And secondly also with the, the Jesus without the gate. And also sinners following Jesus without the camp as well. So the text is from Hebrews 13, the verses 11 through 14. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Therefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. So far. Without and not within is the theme tonight. Without and not within. Three thoughts. In the first place, animals. Without the camp. Secondly, Jesus. Without the gate. And in the third place, let us go without the camp. So without and not within. Animals without the camp. Jesus without the gate. Let us go without the camp. Congregation of friends in the Bible, there are many more, many different types of sacrifices. You know, the sacrifice, right? You have an altar, a stone, a stone altar, and some wood on top, and fire on top, and then you put something on there that burns and it is a gift to God. So in the Old Testament, you find many of those personal sacrifices in the beginning of the history of mankind, and later on, under the ceremonial laws, also different types of sacrifices. Let me mention a few. There's a burnt offering, and a meal offering, and a peace offering, and a sin offering, and a guilt offering, and a few more. 
And sometimes it's overlap, and sometimes it's a different type of meal offering, a different type of peace offering. There are also subcategories. It's not always easy to distinguish. But mainly burnt offering, meal offering, peace offering, sin offering, guilt offering. So let us focus tonight on a sin offering, because that's what it's about, a sin offering. What is a sin offering? Well, why is it called a sin offering? Because someone feels that he has sinned, or she has sinned, is something, and did something terribly wrong. And my conscience is accusing me. And I feel not good at all. I have to confess that. I have to go to the Lord. I have to go to bring a sin sacrifice. A sin offering. So the person purchases a bullock or a goat or a lamb or takes one of his own flock and brings it to the tabernacle or to the temple. And then they see that one of the priests takes the animal over and brings it close to the burnt offering altar that is in the court before the tabernacle and then he and sometimes others as well lay their hands on that animal like you know of the high priest on the day of atonement, similar the priests or the high priest or together they put their hands on that animal and they are holding it and they are leaning on it and they speak and they say, we transfer this sin onto you, animal. So the person sacrificing saw kind of in an example, in a, in, a, in a type, in a picture that his sins are transferred to that animal. And then the animal's throat was slid, quick death for the animal. And the blood was cut into a ball, and also some of it just dripped away and flew away through the hole in the ground sometimes. And then the animal was killed in Noah. It is a sin offering, right? Now, with sin offerings, it's not always the same. With sin offering, after the animal was killed, they butchered it. They opened the belly and they took some of the intestines out and the kidneys out and some fat out and one lung out. And they sacrificed that or they took out. They sacrificed that on the burnt offering altar. So we see the priest with the heart no, not, not the heart, the kidneys and, the, and, and not the liver either, the kidneys and the lung and a few and intestines. We see them putting it on the burnt offering altar and just, they were just stairs to that. He had to climb up. And he laid it on that fire and it, you, you, you heard it sizzle and burn and you smelled it and it was good to, good to smell, the smell of meat, right? And you saw the smoke going up this was a sacrifice for the Lord. But then much of the animal was left yet. 
Now, what to do with that? So much meat, tender meat and good things to eat. It's a sin offering. Well, with some offerings, like a meat offering and a peace offering, the person sacrificing and the audience would eat of it. Did you know that? Did you know that the many sacrifices, a part was sacrificed to the Lord and a part was eaten by the people? So in the sanctuary, they were sitting in, 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 in corners and on, on benches, and they just had meat, and they enjoyed the meat, and sometimes they took it home and ate it at home. You remember the Bible story of Hannah and Peninnah, don't you, children? And we read in 1 Samuel 1, and when the time was that Elkanah offered, Elkanah, the husband of Hannah and Peninnah, offered, and time was come to offer, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all his sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. So when they had sacrificed part to the Lord, another part was eaten. Or think of Hophna and Phinehas. They stole the meat that was designated to be eaten by the people, and they ate themselves, or they sold it, and they traded it. But that's with a peace offering and a meat offering. But this is a sin offering. If it would have been a burnt offering, everything would have been on the altar. It's a sin offering. With sin offerings, some of the innards are sacrificed on the altar, and a big part not. So what to do with that part? Where you eat the head and the, and, and the, the back and the ribcage and the legs and this, this animal, except a few of those organs. Well, it is a sin offering. And because it is a sin offering, they took it outside of the camp. Without the camp. They didn't want to eat it. They didn't want to sacrifice it on the altar in the tabernacle. They had to rid themselves of it. It had to go. It had to be removed. It had to disappear. It had to go out as soon as possible. This was so vile, so terrible, something you could not keep in the camp. It had to be, it had to leave right away. It's so vile. It was not edible. It was cursed. Sin offering. With sin offering, part is sacrificed on the burnt offering altar, and a part is burned outside without the camp. So that sin offering. I think is the most serious of all. 
because it really comes in heart, right? You really understand something of the seriousness of that animal being so cursed that God said, Go! Out of my eyes! I don't want to face this! Disappear! Let me say it in a kind of, kind of cruel way. But yet with, with reverence. Go to hell with it. I mean it. A sin offering. Part of it was sacrificed. And the part had to go. Please go. I can't stand it. Such a cursed animal. So vile. Having those sins on him. It's most serious. Because it explains to us how repulsive sin is. It explains us that God cannot tolerate it. It explains that there is an eternal condemnation for it. So let me read a portion from Leviticus 16 and the bullock for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering whose blood was brought to make atonement in the holy place shall one cave forth without the camp and they shall burn in the fire the skins and the flesh and the dung. So it had to go. So outside the camp means the place where the garbage was buried. was the place where all vile things happened. was the place where the lepers lived. was the place where there was curse. Sin repulsive. Sin vile. Think of Job 40. Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Or Lamentations 1, all her people sigh, they seek bread, they have given their pleasant things. For me to relieve the soul, see, O Lord, and consider, for I am become vile. So there are things we also abhor, no? We sometimes say, oh, terrible. That's Things. That is so vile, so difficult, something to be so ashamed of. Are the things you abhor? Certain things people do or how people dress, right? I abhor it, especially with the gender issues involved. I abhor it. There are also sins in particular. Abhorrible. But with the sin offering, be a reminder of the fact that we must abhor self. Have you ever abhorred yourself? Job 42 verse 6 Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job did. He abhorred himself. Had such low thoughts of himself. 
It was so vile. And we read in Ezra 9, and said, Oh my God, I'm ashamed and blushed to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass is grown up unto the heavens. Sin is something to abhor, and God does. <clears throat> God abhors sin, and if you have attended this morning, I trust that you have abhorred yourself, and that you have lowered yourself in the dust, and that this is not unfamiliar language, but you say, yes, I have seen it. I've been ashamed of myself. I've grieved the Lord. I've done such evil things. I'm worthy to be carried outside the camp with an animal. And I deserve that place of hell. Are we then garbage? Are we garbage? Are you garbage? Absolutely not. No. If you be garbage, I wouldn't stand here. I wouldn't care less. You have souls for eternity. You have an eternity in front of you. You have, an, you, have, you have been made in the image of God. So, no, you're not garbage. But yet we deserve hell. Yet we deserve that God abhors us. We are also not devils. Devils cannot be saved. And the Lord Jesus did not come to save devils. But we have fallen into the hands of the devils. And in a sense, by nature, belong to them. And yet those, those sacrifices, like the sin offering, very serious, part for the Lord, and part to get rid of yourself with. It yet speaks of forgiveness. It yet speaks, although it is so vile that God has found a way. It pointed to that, that God will find and has found a way to save repulsive sinners. To save people who have grieved to the heart. He, he can do that. In fact, he has solved that. But we have to keep in mind that there is a without and a within. Revelation 22, for without are the dogs and the sorcerers and the whoremongers and the murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. So someday we will enter or not. We will stand outside or be in. Luke 13, when once the master of the house is risen up and has shut the door 
And he began to stand without and to knock at the door. So it's also an example in the Bible to knock on the door and the door remains closed and you stand outside. If a man abides not in me, he is cast forth his branch and is withered. And then gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. John 15, right about the branches. Even Stephen was stoned outside of the camp. They cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their hands, laid their clothes at the young man's feet whose name was Saul. So what is the main sin that makes the Lord so angry with it, makes it so repulsive? What is the main sin? Well, not, it's not that you did not attend the Lord's Supper. That is not the main sin. Maybe it's even good that you did it. But the reason why you cannot, could not attend, that reason is what? Is rebellion, is enmity, is unwillingness, being unrepentant, being unbelieving. You name all those things. Nobody will be cast out for the reason that he was not chosen. Nobody will be cast out and stand outside because he is not the elect. No. You make a mistake. Election is the cause of salvation of God's people. Yes. Election is the cause, the very deepest cause for salvation of God's people because they're chosen and they're saved. They will be saved. They will be saved because they were chosen. You, you cannot see it in another way because they did not have anything themselves. It is not their choice. It was the, they were chosen. Chosen unto salvation. So election is the cause for salvation. But not being saved, not being chosen, is not the cause of unbelief. That's different. Our forefathers said it also that way in the closing words of the cancelled Lord. When you die and you are for your own account, you can't say, I was not chosen, Lord. I didn't receive it, Lord. I went to church all the time and I did my best and I used the means, Lord. So what else could I have done? I did what I could do. But yeah, if I'm not chosen, it's too bad then. I can't help it. That's not how it will be. When God's people die, the Lord will say, you did not choose me. You did not begin you did not save yourself. I did everything. I saved you to the uttermost, to the very end. But the Lord will say to all others, you did not want. 
will say to all others, you did not repent. You did not believe me. And that will be the reason why the Lord will be so rough, having not believed in the only begotten Son of God, in what the Lord has given so precious, His only Son. It's incredible. That is beyond our understanding. He's given His only Son to save the people with sins, and people say, I don't need it. I have better things to do. I don't, I'm not interested. I'm not hungry. That will be the reason why people end up in the place where God will laugh at them and be and rid himself of them and be outside of the gate. That was our first thought. Second thought, Christ suffered outside the camp for self. Wherefore, Jesus also, see the connection with the previous word? Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, not the blood of animals, his own blood suffered without the gate. So what Jesus did not suffer on the cross within the city of Jerusalem, but outside of the city. Because outside the city there was a gruesome altar. Outside of the city there was an altar so vile and so cursed that it was compared with that place in Leviticus 16, outside of the camp. And the Lord Jesus also wandered that way, right? The Lord Jesus did not want to suffer and die in Jerusalem. Would have been applicable. He did not want to die in the temple. He was the lamb. So if he would have been killed in the temple, it would make much sense, doesn't it? Because in the temple, the, the lamb was butchered. The lamb was slain. So if he would have been slain close to the tabernacle, close to the temple, close to that burnt offering altar, he would have said, I understand it. But the Lord Jesus said, no, I'm a sin offering. I'm not a burnt offering. I'm not a guilt offering. I'm not a meat offering. I'm a sin offering. That sin offering had to go. Go, go. Outside the camp. Lord Jesus, not in Jerusalem. There's no room for thee. No room for Jesus in the city. No room for Jesus in the temple. He had to go out. As the vilest of all. As a criminal. As someone who was repugnant. And he did not come with the blood of an animal, but with his own blood. His own blood. It is 
something you, you knew, right? But may the Lord make it new and fresh and alive. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without a gate. He had to do it that way. So he became a curse. Curse. He took it all in. All the indignation of the Lord. All the anger of an almighty God. All we like sheep have gone astray. We turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of his all. It happened outside of the gate. All the iniquities were burdened on him. A text that must be quoted here, that is very close to our text, is 2 Corinthians 5.21. Let me first read it and then explain it. For he, God, has made him, the Lord Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he has made, God has made Christ to be sin for us. Does that make sense? Christ was made sin for us. Church. We say, well, I think I know it Kind of, but he has been made sin. He, he never sinned, did he? Or you say that probably means that he um, took all the sin on him. So in that sense, he was made sin. Well, it's one step further. The word sin in the Bible is often the same word as sin offering. So, you could also translate this way. For he has made him to be a sin offering for us who knew no sin. He knew no sin. He knew no sin at all. So, the holiest of all, God uh, received the most repugnant treatment. He had... No sin was he, he, he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. When you read that verse, you contemplate it, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, you see something of the beauty of Christ. Beauty of Christ? Do you see the beauty? Look at this verse. Listen to the verse again. What is so beautiful here? For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. What is beautiful for you? Let me tell you what I think is beautiful. He knew no sin. He didn't even know what it was. He knew no sin. Had no experience with it. Had never even tried to experience with it. He knew no sin. He didn't care about sin. He didn't love sin. He knew no sin. Absolutely unfamiliar with it. It was the Holy One, the Innocent One, the Beloved One. And he who knew no sin was made a sin offering and to go outside the gate. The 
beautiful to see that the same word is used for sin and sin offering. Therefore, Jesus, nobody else, only Jesus can do that. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify. He loves to sanctify his people. And sometimes sanctify means something else than justify. Sanctification and justification. Here just is an, it's an overall term. He sanctifies, he rescues, he delivers, he justifies, and sanctifies, and cleanses, and forgives. It's all in that one word, sanctifies. But for Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. So this morning we heard something about that. This morning we heard about Jesus sanctifying people. Cleansing people. This is my body, broken for you. I am the sin offering. I knew no sin. You go free. You have no sin anymore. I took it away. That was the message for them that have no life in self and seek their life in another. A sin offering. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people, his people, with his own blood suffered without the gate. That is precious. And there's much more to say about that. Galatians 3 is also close. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. So outside the camp, was made a curse, not anything less but a curse. Because we know that the law saith, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So that's the curse outside the camp. What a blessing that you come to the Lord as a cursed one, as a vile one, as one who does not deserve more than outside the gate, hell. When the Lord says, no, you don't go to hell. I take you within. I take you within my court. Because Christ is outside for you, now you can come in. To enter in into the kingdom of God, to have to have in the through that through that narrow gate, on that narrow pathway to eternal bliss. That is unreal. That it is even possible for someone who has sinned so much against all God's commandments, have not kept any of them, and is prone to all evil, and yet being rescued. That is the heart of the Christian doctrine. If you don't understand that, then you miss the point. Do you can be a Christian? You, your name may be in the book. You may behave well and have Christian values and Christian customs. They're missing Christ. Or you only see him as an example to follow him as an example. But no, he's not an example, he's a sin offering. 
outside the gate. Connect this also to verse 16, for example. But do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So there's also another sacrifice. The sacrifice of communicating, of being generous. And verse 15, also a sacrifice. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. If you understand the sin offering, you begin to sacrifice yourself. That's what I see. If you know the sin offering of Christ, then you begin to also sacrifice the sacrifice of praise to God. And the sacrifice also of being generous. It has, has results of that in there. So you who have attended this morning and in God's favor, pray for the growth of your faith. I'm a little hesitant to say it that way because I don't like people to understand that they grow. But the faith grows. And as I have quoted this morning a couple of times, I do it again tonight, it's still on my, in my head, still in my heart, to exceedingly grow in faith. Right? So it, says, it said in 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3 or so. So consider in order to grow in grace, people of God. Don't say, well, I'm a little one and I can like to stay a little one for the rest of my life. That's not the purpose. To want these people to mature. Therefore, consider. Consider what he paid. Consider what he did, that he has given his own blood. Take into consideration what the Lord Jesus has given and to whom and how he begins the work of salvation and what his purpose is. So seek to live also holier lives because the Lord Jesus was willing to suffer outside of the gate of Jerusalem to save the people from their sins. Brings to the third thought. The bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought to the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Therefore, wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him. Verse 13, the application. Let us, let us, it's in command. That's an encouragement that is saying to the church, let us go forthwith unto him. Let us go unto Christ without a camp, bearing his reproach. We know that the Apostle John followed the Lord Jesus and also was also standing at the cross. 
because the Lord Jesus spoke to him, right? That he marriage should be his mother and that he should be her son. And we also see female disciples at the scene of Golgotha, but many of those disciples have fled and uh, are nowhere to be found. We know that the Apostle Peter later appeared or saw in the courthouse of the high priest. Why did they not want to stand there? They would be recognized, probably. And they would also be ashamed and they would be ridiculed. And they would hear, you, you belong to him. You're, you're like the, the same as he was. You also should be hanged. And they should then bear his reproach. The Apostle Paul writes in our chapter, I still believe that Paul is the author of Hebrews, writes that God's people have to count on the fact that they will bear the reproach of Christ. That life will not be easy for them. That they will go into the kingdom of God through many tribulations. That being a follower of the Lord Jesus is not, not always so pleasant, especially not for the flesh. And also in this chapter we read it, that was also much confusion. We read it, for example, in verse 8 and 9. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever, be not cared about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart is established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar thereof, they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. Do you understand for stand? We have an altar. What altar is that? Whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. So we have an altar. There's an altar here, and the priests are not allowed to eat of that altar. That is that kind of altar outside the gate. So we also have such an altar. That's the cross. And the apostle writes in the middle of verse 9, it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. As the people uh, were again confused about God's grace and were, uh, falling back into old patterns, and falling back into all the ceremonies and whole long list of what you could eat and not eat. And the apostle writes, no, that is not a good thing. The heart does not establish, but it's not established by that. That is only established by, by grace. So you need to follow him, go further for unto him, also repeatedly, also continually, also if possible daily to continually follow him. For he having no continuing city, but they seek one to come. It's all, it's all connected. So to be established in grace, to follow Christ, 
to bear the reproach and to have no continuing city here but being a pilgrim. Not enjoying life itself as such, although receiving many things in thanksgiving, but not idolizing it. It speaks about following him, right? Let us go further for unto him without the gate. It's this following. Are we followers of him? 1 Thessalonians 1. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Became followers of the Lord also. How? Well, they receive the word. Although there are many afflictions and problems in their life, there are so many afflictions and life was hard, but they receive the word of God in the times of affliction. And they have received it with joy in the Holy Ghost. Of course, I think then also of the people in Ukraine and the Christians there, the, the real Christians there, the, the, the church there, to follow, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Or 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. Followers of Christ. And an important verse is 1 Peter 2 here. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. So Christ was an example, because he suffered and so we have to be made willing to suffer as well. Stepping, walking in his footsteps, let us go therefore unto him without the can bear his reproach. Young people, reproach. When you open up and you tell your friends in college and ever, wherever, your colleagues, that you go to the church and you believe in the Bible, and you believe in creation, you believe in the fall, and believe in the sanctity of genders and we believe in, in the sanctity of life and you name all those things, they will look at you as if you're from 100 years ago. And so old-fashioned. You need to counter that. That's part of it. But I hope you're willing to bear the reproach and to just say, yes, that's way it is. And I seek no continuing city here, but I seek another, another city The application of a verse is often in the context, also in this chapter. So also in the last pieces, there are lots of little things. Obey and have the rule over you. Pray for us. Beseech you that they may restore it to, the, to you sooner. Make you, God make you perfect in every good work to do as well. I beseech you, suffer the word of exhortation. It's not very personal. Also, little details. He encouraged the church. He encouraged the church to follow the master. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I know 
because children have to pick between more comfort of more holiness. What do you think they will choose? If Lord would say, what do you want? More comfort or more holiness? I think most of them will say, I like comfort more. Sweet comfort. The Lord's close to me and comforts me. His consolation is the best. And yet, I would say, seek holiness. Because holiness is for the Lord. And the comfort is for yourself. You like to comfort yourself. I understand that. The Lord says, I want you to live holy lives and to walk in those footsteps. Let us go, therefore, in holiness unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach as pilgrims. And if we may walk that way, the Lord also will give comfort. They'll give comfort to the people that takes things also to heart and the Lord will increase the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Practical things in this chapter about brotherly love, being hospitable, being faithful in marriage, being not covetous, respecting authorities, don't be carried about with all strange doctrines. It's all in here. And it all belongs to bearing his reproach, following his footsteps. Without. What is without? Without the camp, the animals, without the gate, the Lord Jesus, we also need to live, in a sense, going outside the camp, not seeking comfort for ourselves, but outside of the camp. Bear people, suffer for Jesus' sake. I think about the end of life. We don't know if it will be today or tomorrow or soon. We don't know. We all have the feeling, or maybe most of them have the feeling kind of, of invincibility. No, no not, not, not today. <laughs> not tomorrow either. But you know, you don't know. It is coming anyway. And then you are without. Or, by God's grace, you are in. What will it be? Without and knock on the door. Lord, open, open. Lord says, I don't know you. You work iniquity. You stand outside forever. You never come in. Outside of the gate. And others welcomed and going in into the joy of the Lord. That they rejoice in God. And the Lord rejoices in them. A mutual joy of God's people with the Lord. May the Lord bless and make he also give holy jealousy to seek him. He wants to be found. Amen.